Last week, I told you about Billy, an American junkie that I met in the city where I live, in Frankfurt. No, I really don't even like this feeling. Why do you do it? <laughs> because I'm a junkie. <laughs> like, you want it, want it, want it, and then you do it, and you're like, why the fuck did I do that? And in that episode, I mentioned the name of another guy, a guy named Jeff, who was another English speaker here in Frankfurt, and like Billy, was an addict on the streets and somebody that was living in public housing. He was one of Billy's friends. That's how I met him. And he became one of my friends. I said that I had filmed Jeff and Billy playing chess. On the day when I filmed them playing chess, actually, Jeff gave Billy some advice. Advice about how he should deal with his addiction and his family, his kids. It's better to just be honest with your kids, though, you know? They understand then that, that you know what I mean? That it's, uh, it's a sickness. It's not, you know what I mean? You gotta explain that. Because then they don't, uh, I mean, when you don't show up and stuff like that, they just think that you don't care. You didn't go because it's of them. You didn't forget about them. It's just you're having problems. That's Jeff's voice, the one you were just listening to. And like I said, he was explaining to Billy that he thought the best way to deal with being a junkie and having kids was to just be honest with your kids, which is something, if you think about it, it's really difficult to do, to admit this terribly shameful and embarrassing thing about yourself, something you struggle with a lot. Billy's response was to say this. My dad was a junkie too, and I don't, I tried my hardest to make sure my kids don't see what I sang when I was a kid. They don't go through the same bullshit I went through. And I play you this little bit of the conversation between Billy and Jeff that I filmed a year ago now to show you the dynamic between Jeff and Billy. Jeff was often giving advice to Billy, almost the way an older brother would. But what I didn't know then was that Jeff did have a younger brother, a brother who I'm gonna call Mark in this episode. I talked to Mark and I'm gonna play you some of our conversation later, but I just wanna show you one more example of Jeff trying to help Billy out. This was one day when they were shooting up and Jeff was actually trying to explain to Billy a healthier way to put the needle in you put yours in the angle a little bit? Yeah, you know, you know there's thousands of little arteries in, the, in that spot of your body, you know that? Nerves and stuff. It's like one of the most dangerous places actually to, uh, the needle passes through all them arteries to get to your vein. That's why it's so dangerous. Okay. It's very important that you put it straight in, not uh, when you go in, you in, don't. One night, Jeff collapsed out on the street, and Billy called him an ambulance. He watched Jeff get loaded onto the ambulance and taken away, but he never knew what happened to him afterwards. For almost two months, both Billy and I were really worried about Jeff. It was Billy in the end that found out that Jeff had actually died just a few days after being taken to the hospital. Billy actually found out when he was in jail. He had been picked up by the cops for shooting up out on the sidewalk. And when he was in jail, he asked one of the cops if he could look up the name of his friend in the system and find out whether he had died or not. The police officer looked it up 
And sure enough, there was Jeff's name. Billy asked me, once he got out of prison, if I could contact the family and let them know. And luckily enough, I actually found Jeff's brother, a guy who I'm going to call Mark in this episode. I found him online and I wrote him a message. But Jeff's brother told me that he was pretty suspicious of who I was when I first popped up out of the blue. It's just like some random, you're like, what is this, some type of scam? Some some guy's trying to, I don't know, get me to get, give my uh, all my uh, bank information to the to some prince of somewhere, of some other country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, know. you know how many scams are out there? So That's the one and only time in my life that I've ever notified a complete stranger that someone in their family has died. Even though I didn't know the protocol, or even if there isn't a protocol for something like that, somehow I managed, and since then, Mark and I have stayed in touch. Today I'm going to play you some of our phone call from this year, where we were looking back at everything that happened, and I was also asking him more questions about what happened after that moment in time, after I notified the family. I'm going to play you our conversation today. My name is James Reed. This is the Don't Show My Face podcast. This is a special series called An American Junkie in Frankfurt. This is part two. Jeff. I've never done any type of drug in my life. Yeah. (laughs) At all. (laughs) Like, at all, at all. Not even smoke weed, like nothing. Yeah, I'm just... I'm a very basic, like just, a, I guess, a normal, you know, middle-class white male in America. Yeah. Go to go to church on Sunday. Just like, it's just like just a regular person. So, I mean, but I mean, that's, I mean, any family could be like that, you know, no two kids that are the same. Mark and Jeff were definitely different kids growing up. Although... They didn't really grow up as kids, so to speak, because one thing you've got to understand is Jeff was 14 years older than Mark. When Jeff moved out at the age of 18, Mark was just four years old. So they really just didn't see each other that often. You know, he'd be there for a weekend or, you know, stop over a day here or there or something, you know. And and I'm, I'm a kid. I have friends and sports and, you know, if I'm not there, I'm not there. And then once you get old enough to drive around, you're like hanging out with your buddies and girlfriends and all that other stuff. So you just kind of like, like basically like your cousins, you know, your cousins from another town type of thing almost. They still got along as people. Mark says they were still close and liked each other. It was just like always good to see them. Like, like a friend that you don't see that often. But when you see, you know, that's basically how it was. So I didn't even go through like that normal oh, I hate you this week because you, you wrecked my bike or, you know what I mean, type of thing or yeah, something like that, you know, or we never fought or anything like, you know, hmm. at all, so. But Mark did notice that there was something different about Jeff and about the life he was leading. Kind of knew he was like in the, hung out with the wrong crowd and stuff, so I don't, I don't know if that made my parents be more strict with me. Yeah in a sense, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's never, never, so, but, and I never went down that route, I guess. You subconsciously, you know, protect yourself from certain things, like, 
or avoid certain things or you go towards them, right? Jeff and Mark did go very different routes. So while Mark was growing up, Jeff ended up running with the wrong crowd and landed himself in jail. That was in his 30s. When he got out, he was getting close to 40. And there was a problem with releasing him, actually, because when the authorities were putting him up for parole, they discovered that technically Jeff was not an American citizen. He'd been born over here in Germany because his mom was German and his mom had met a U.S. soldier stationed here in Germany. And that's why Jeff was not born in the U.S. He was born here. That was a problem, though, because there were some new immigration laws that were passed under Obama. And they stated that if you got out of jail, you didn't have an American passport. You had to be sent back to your country of origin. Even though Jeff had spent his entire life since he'd been a baby in the United States, he didn't know anything about German culture or know anyone inside of Germany, he got shipped over here. Just like that, from prison to a foreign country. And I mean, how much do you know about about Jeff and how much drugs he was consuming when he was over here or just like that part of his life, those problems that he had? Well, I mean, I knew it was like on and off, at least when he was here. Yeah. But my, my but that was like, I was younger at the time. Like he was over there for at least over... 10 years. So, yeah. you know, growing up, he did. He was so much older than me. So he wasn't at home. Like, I don't remember him as much when I was a little kid, but then like later it was like on, a, I assumed it was on and off again, but my parents didn't really like t- tell me anything about that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have no idea what, what, what he was getting himself into. Hmm. You probably know more about that than I do. Well, um, he told me that, you know, he'd been in jail before he came to Germany and that while he was in jail, he was clean and the jail was really, really good for him. Like he had a routine. He was also talking to other guys, like younger guys that had drug problems and helping them kind of get through all the mental struggles of that, basically. And then when... Uh, the laws started changing in the U.S. regarding immigration. You know, he fell under yeah. the, the, all those new categories, basically. And that was that collided with him getting parole. And, you know, he never had a free day in the U.S. He was just sent directly to Germany, basically, is what I understood. Kurt, yeah. The thing is that you got to understand, like, in the city here, there's one part of the city which is where... Uh, all the junkies hang out, basically. And, you know, when Jeff arrived, he didn't have any money. He'd just gotten out of prison and he'd had these drug problems in the past. And so he got put into this program and the program puts you in an apartment that's smack in the middle of that entire scene. It's right in the middle of that whole part of the city, you know. Right, so like basically project housing type set up basically or yeah it's not even that it's kind of hard to imagine like frankfurt is a weird beast you know you 
you can imagine any metropolitan city, you go downtown, there's all these skyscrapers where the banks have their offices. Right. All these people are walking around in high heels and leather shoes and suits. Right. And in between all of that, there's these like dead zones. Yep. And these dead zones have like public housing, but it's not public housing that's outside the city. It's public housing that's right smack in the middle of the city. And Jeff was in one of those places. He told me that, you know, there was no escape from getting back in the scene once he started living there because, first of all, there's nothing else to do. He didn't speak German. Right. He couldn't get a job anywhere. Um, He was just, like, thrown out onto the streets every day. And everyone around him was shooting up. And he fell back into to being addicted to heroin and using it pretty much every day. And now, fast forward 10 years from the time when Jeff arrived in Frankfurt and started using drugs again. Jeff's dead. He's no longer with us. Like, how did you know? Because he had just disappeared, right? He had disappeared and then, yeah. Because so you could try to get in contact with him and what they said, they, they couldn't tell you shit you weren't related in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, when I called all the hospitals, that's what everybody told me. Although, yeah. so, you know how it is. Like, some people said, like, some people kind of would take the first couple steps and answer a few questions and then get to a point where they would say, oh, wait, I can't tell you anymore because you're not related. And the way that I found out that he had died was through Billy, this guy that, that I call Billy. Uh-huh. And the story he told me was that he, Billy got arrested and I don't know, for whatever for like reason. some drugs? That, okay, you don't know why. Well. He was like being friendly with the cops somehow. I don't, I don't know how they got to chatting. The cop knew something about the United States or something. And eventually, while Billy was in prison, he asked the cop to check on his friend, to, to check on Jeff. And the cop looked him yeah. up in the system and said that he had died and had the name of the hospital. Gotcha. So that was the first piece of news that I got about it. And then Billy, I know he tried to, I think he even went to the hospital and he called the hospital as well, but they wouldn't give him any information either. Right. And then I was just calling your mom and, and writing to you. And um, and then, uh, you know, it just got turned over to your family, basically. Right. Yeah, I mean, my mom kind of like did all that. Just from what I understand, it was kind of a pain. It wasn't real easy to do. Yeah. It wasn't like you were picking up an Amazon package yeah, yeah. somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they, they, we had them cremated. Oh, really? Wow. Over there to send over. Well, because to send a body over from one country to another is insanely. Like a normal, if you're in the United States of America, a normal funeral is going to cost you about 10 grand. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, it's about double that just to get all that stuff sent over. Like, you're not you're not sending a pack uh, a package a normal package you know what I mean yeah yeah so and the fact that like we weren't we weren't over there and all that stuff it was a pain in the butt to like ID him and all that other stuff from what because uh, like I la- I basically handed over the information to my mother because she's she can speak German I can't speak shit right so she kind of took care of all that type of stuff so she's actually the one that identified him. From what him, yeah, from what I understand, because I mean, she didn't go over there, so it had to go off of like his tattoos and all this other stuff, you know. Oh wow! Just talking on the phone or something. I'm not real sure. 
Because I don't know if he had any ID on him or anything, I'll be honest with you. That gives you some kind of idea of just how murky the entire situation around Jeff's death is, even for his family and for me. I spoke to Jeff and Mark's mom about what happened on her side. You know, like Mark just said, she was the one who took care of a lot of the details. She speaks German. And she told me that she called over to the hospital and to the police and eventually got in touch with the funeral home that had Jeff's body. She said they were the ones that helped organize having him cremated and shipped back to the United States. Seven days after she talked to them, she said she picked up Jeff's ashes at the airport close to where she lives. And that was that. Jeff was back in the United States, just not in the way that his family hoped he would be able to come back. They were all hoping that one day the immigration laws would change or because of some loophole in the system, he'd be able to finally come back home, see his family, see his kids, and find a new life there. But unfortunately, that never happened. And did you guys have a funeral then? Uh, we have not. Okay. Um, it's kind of... Um, it's kind of like just giving it a while, honestly. Um, yeah. Not saying that there won't be one necessarily or some type of service hmm. it was just so fresh yet so yeah but we'll, we'll probably do something it's just we haven't really talked about it. it's kind of it's not so hard subject you know yeah it wasn't like hey you got in a car wreck or something or like normal circumstances yeah so as far as the hospital goes The family has never been able to get any records from them to find out exactly how Jeff died. I called the hospital several times over the last year, but I never got anyone on the phone. So this last week, I actually went to the hospital and tried to see if I could find anything out. So I just arrived in a part of Frankfurt where there is supposed to be a hospital close to here. It's actually the hospital where Jeff died. And I'm going to go there and see if I can find out any information about the circumstances of how he died or anything at all, even though I'm not a family member. And I don't really have any legal right to find out any of that. But I'm going to look at the map now, put my phone away and see if I can find the place first. But yeah, I don't have too high of expectations. Eventually, I did find the entrance to the hospital. I went in, and the guy at reception was pretty nice, surprisingly. I thought they would just send me away with the weird story that I had about a friend of mine who'd been homeless and a junkie dying a year earlier. But he actually sent me up to the first floor, to the station where he thought Jeff probably had been treated. And they also talked to me. They looked up Jeff's name on the computer and found that he was in their records. He had been in that hospital and he had died there. But like I had suspected, they couldn't give me any of his records. I stood on the other side of the computer screen where the nurse was looking over his records silently. She went through all of them in front of me as I stood there, just inches away from a screen that had 
a lot of information on it, information I've wanted to know for almost a year, but she just couldn't give it to me. So now I'm leaving the hospital, actually, and yeah, it's basically what I expected. Um, They can't tell me anything because I'm not in the family, but they told me that if someone in the family provides some documents and a letter that expresses their intent and proves that they're related to Jeff, then they can release the documents to me. So I'm going to talk to Jeff's brother about it and maybe his mom and see what they say, see if they want to do it. Yeah. If you could watch like a film of you going through your everyday life and Jeff going through his everyday life, that's such extremes, you know. You're there going to work, going to the grocery store, and, and Jeff is like sleeping outside sometimes, you know. And try, yeah. trying to scrounge together enough money to buy the next shot of heroin. Yeah, it's, it's really sad, honestly. Mm. You know? I guess you used to always think, oh, he'll be back in 10 years, you know, and everything will be fine. But we're not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know? So that really, really makes you think. I mean, if it wasn't for you, I, I we, I don't, I don't think we would have known. Mm. Period. Honestly. Mm. So, I think like from like from the bottom of my heart and like and from my family, like thank you, because I mean, there's that closure that you're able to get from that versus like just someone disappearing and you just don't know for the rest of your life. I mean, that's that's all anyone would want, right? Like. Truth is hard sometimes, you know, but sometimes it just needs to get out. I got mixed up, mixed up, mixed up with all the other babies, all the other babies, all the other babies in the same hospital. I was alone. next week's episode, I'm going to go back to Billy and his story about how he first started using heroin. And how old were you the first time oh. you, you started shooting up when you were 12? Yeah. I remember I'd be in school. But Fridays, we had show and tell. And the other kids would be like, this is my teddy bear. And I was in the fucking bathroom sh- sitting on the toilet shooting up fucking oxycodones. I never even tell people this story because they don't, ain't nobody gonna believe that shit. That's next week in part three of an American junkie in Frankfurt getting hooked. We're going to be posting some photos of Jeff 
on our social media channels. If you want to follow us, you can look us up on Instagram at Don't Show My Face Podcast, all one word, or on Twitter at DSMF Podcast. This episode was produced by me, James Reed, with original music by Ken Queter. We're going to put a link to his music and to his website in the description of the show. Also, take a minute to think about becoming a subscriber to our show. There'll be a link to that also in the description. It really helps us produce episodes. Not only that, but we donate a portion of the money to the people that are involved in the stories we're reporting on. We're actually looking for a charity now to donate subscriber money to one that will help addicts and people that are homeless here in Frankfurt. So consider doing that. Thanks for listening. See you next week and take care. Uh